Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Friday, October 28th, 2016, here on the Patriots Beat Podcast. The Patriots took down the Pittsburgh Steelers 27-16 last week and look forward to their second matchup of the season against the Buffalo Bills this weekend in Buffalo. We welcome in Gary Tangway from CSN New England to help us sort out the state of the NFL and why the rest of the NFL is so much weaker than this year's Patriots team. This is Larry H. Russell speaking on behalf of the network, thanking you once again for downloading the Patriots Beat Podcast here on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage for New England professional sports. Download the free CLNS Radio mobile app for your iPhone or Android for immediate and convenient access to all the content available on the CLNS Radio YouTube channel, podcasting network, and clnsradio.com. Now, on to another edition of Patriots Beat. Take it away, Harris. Thanks, Larry. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Patriot Beat Podcast. It is episode number 145 on CLNS Radio. Go find us on clnsradio.com, on Twitter at CLNS Radio, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash CLNS fans. Glad to be back with you guys this week. What an interesting Sunday the Patriots were faced with when they took on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Took them down 27-16. Didn't let Landry Jones get too far ahead of them. Kept uh, kept Le'Veon Bell in front of them and made sure that Antonio Brown didn't rip the secondary to pieces like he did week one of last year. Great performance by the New England Patriots. And that's all that we're going to talk about the game. I'm just kidding. No, don't worry about it. No, it, was, it really was a great game for the Patriots this past weekend. Another example of just the Patriots, you know, the game was a little bit close, but uh, at the end of the day, you you could kind of tell that the outcome of that game was kind of finished midway through the third quarter once they threw that ridiculous touchdown pass to Rob Gronkowski down the seam. So the game was good, but the game was kind of over before it began. I don't think a Landry Jones-led football team, home or away, is going to take down this year's Patriots team. But I don't want to spend too much time on last week's game. I don't really think there's too much to get out of it because this is very much a Patriots team that, you know, it, it just is what it is. This Patriots team is great on offense because it has Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Martellus Bennett. We talked about the weapons he has. This team is not performing as well as we thought they were going to on the defensive side of the ball, but they're still good enough on the defensive side that they're not going to lose a lot of games. They haven't really given up a lot of points this year. I think the most points they've given up this season was 24, which I believe was week two against Miami. But besides that, they've they even given up more than 21 points in a game besides uh, against Miami. So maybe we should have 
realize that this defense this defense is very much what Bill Belichick's dream has always been. It is a bend, but don't break defense. Sure, will it give up some crazy, unconvincing drives a game? Yes, but for the most part, have they ta- have they you know destroyed offenses? No. But have they have they imposed their will on games? No. Has the pass rush been as we expect as good as we expected it to be? No. But at the same time, the defense has held up its side of the bargain. It's allowed the offense to get back on the field. It's forcing a decent uh, amount of turnovers. It's not allowing teams to get a lot of points or hold the ball for too long. Usually this Patriots defense is kind of a tale of two halves. In the first half, it'll look like the other offense is destroying them and all. There's all this cause for concern. Everyone on Twitter is freaking out. Then the second half of the game starts. They give up like one scoring drive through the entire second half. And everyone's like, oh, they're just good enough. Like, this... This defense is good enough to get the pages where they need to be because the offense is so good. But that's all I really want to talk about this Pittsburgh Steelers game. I want to talk about our upcoming interview with Gary Tangway from CSN. Very happy to have him on this episode. I also want to talk about their upcoming game against the Buffalo Bills. But one thing I really do want to talk about more or less, if you look at the title of this episode, uh, it's titled NFL Ratings Crisis. And I put it there because... It's tough for Patriots fans to try to like take a big step back and realize what the spectrum of the NFL is. Because we look at the Patriots and we see a team that's just doing their business. They're six and one, the offense is rolling, Tom Brady looks like a god, the defense is doing their job, the coaching is good. This is just what we see out of the Patriots on a year to year basis. But look around the rest of the NFL before we get into the Buffalo uh, before we get into the Buffalo game. Let's just stick with this. Look around the NFL. Who's the second best team in the AFC right now? Now that C.J. Anderson is out, I'd argue it's not the Broncos. Right now, the second best team in the AFC is the Oakland Raiders, who have one of the worst defenses in football, who have a very exciting offense. I love Derek Carr. I love Amari Cooper. I love Michael Crabtree. I'm a big Latavius Murray guy. I'm a big fan of what Oakland is doing down uh, up there, I should say, or over in California. But at the same time, eh, like you, you don't want the second best team in your conference to be a team like the Raiders, who aren't a particularly good team. Now, my my point with all this is, you know, look around the NFL. How many teams can you point at and say they are really good at everything? They have a great defense. They have a great offense. They have great special teams. I'd argue you can't look at a single team right now across the NFL, including the Patriots, that doesn't have some massive flaw against them. And that's bad for this sport. This sport has thrived for the past two decades, mostly because of the teams. These, you know, the the 2007 Patriots or those Colts teams that were really good, the Broncos as of recently, they've thrived because the teams have been bigger than the sport. And it's it's kind of hard to explain what that means. But for instance, look at look at the Cubs in the World Series right now. The Cubs transcend baseball. They're they're a team that mean more to the world of sports than to just the world of baseball. But look at football right now. Is is there a team that's even up to the caliber of the 2014 New England Patriots? Is there a team that's even up to the caliber of some of the Colts teams that we used to see when the Colts Patriots? We just don't see those teams are not in the NFL currently. There is no team in football 
that you can look at and peg and be like, wow, that team is legendary. What a team. And sure, are the is the Patriots offense one that I think will go down as one of the most intriguing NFL offenses of all time? Absolutely. Because, you know, the, the, the targets, the tools, the tight ends, the wide receivers, they're all very interesting mix that we haven't really seen in an NFL, in an, in an NFL offense before. Excuse me. But look at, look at everyone else. We, it, it's not there. The quality of play is not there. And to be totally honest, I don't think it's the players' fault. Are the players that are coming out of college right now that much worse than the players who came out years and years ago? No. The problem with the NFL right now is coaching. Look, like, look, look at, look at the, look at how cute. I, I mentioned this with Gary uh, to in the middle of our interview. Look at the the quarterback developments over the past five years. Can you name more, like more than three good quarterbacks that have, that have been drafted in the first round of dra- uh, in the first round recently, in like the top ten? Cam Newton took like four years to get good. Thank God he's finally sick. Tannehill is still a disaster. Bortles is a disaster. Jameis Winston is an, is com- incredibly inconsistent. Marcus Mariota is being led to his death by Mike Malarkey. Christian Ponder, Blaine Gabbert, like Jake Locker, these guys were were atrocities. So why what happened to the quarterback position in football? Because you you know. People don't like running backs anymore, as Gary would say, but the way the quarterbacks are developed can set the tempo for the rest of a team's future. Because if the quarterback is good, you can start building around the quarterback to get a good football team. But look, but look around the NFL right now. Is there a team that is well-built on both sides of the ball? Is there a team that has a good offensive line and defensive line along with a good special teams unit? No. All these teams have have had to make ridiculous sacrifices because their quarterbacks have been bad, their coaching has been horrible, their front office doesn't know how to draft. There's no consistency in this sport anymore. And I think that's what aggravates me the most. The only consistency that's left is this Patriots organization, which to be totally honest, if you're a Patriots fan, take a step back. Realize that people don't hate the Patriots. They just hate the fact that there's no other team in this sport that can even come close to them on a year-by-year basis. Not even keep up with them since the year 2000. Just keep up with them on a year-to-year basis is hard enough. So you ask yourself, how do we? How does this sport get out of this rut? Because look at the rest of sports right now. Baseball is incredible. Hockey is in the middle of a youth revolution. The the NBA season this year is supposed is going to be incredible. But why? Why is a sport is is this not working right now? It's and it's not the the kneeling during anthems. It it's not the you know the election. I think it's because people are bored watching the current NFL. What's going to happen like from on a week to week basis? For instance, this upcoming week, Tom Brady traveling to Buffalo. Are the Patriots going to lose this game really? No. There's like a 75 to 80% chance that the Patriots are going to go into Buffalo and just roll right over them. And I don't say that as a biased New England fan. I say that as a as a football fan who sees no more parity in the sport. There are just random teams who are kind of good. Like there are more three and four, four and three teams this year that are all average than I can ever remember. 
How many elite teams are there in football right now? Two? Maybe? I, th- I thought the Cardinals and the Seahawks were going to be elite. Then on Sunday night football, they go out there and play a 6-6 to overtime football game on Sunday night in Arizona. That's a joke. So... Where are these teams? Is the is the amount? Are there too many teams? Is the talent too spread out? Or do people care too much about moving and and money that they lost sight of the actual sport? Because look at college football right now. College football is incredible. The talent that's in college right now is out of this world. There's more talent, the running back position coming out of college these past three years than there had been in the decade prior. The quarterbacks are no, uh, quarterbacks are no less good. These defenders that are in college right now are incredible. Go watch Jason Kapinda on Penn State when he was playing against Ohio State in that big-time victory. He was playing out of his mind. He looked like a legitimate NFL middle linebacker. So where's the divide here? What, what is it going to take to get this sport back to where it was? Because I have a big problem with it. I, I analyze this sport for a living. I try to take this sport and break it down so that you guys can try to understand this sport more. But if we're losing the very basic fundamentals of this sport, what's going to be left for you guys to care about? You guys care about players. You care about big-time teams. You care about headlines. But if all the headlines are crap, What's the point of watching the sport? You can make an argument that every other sport has a bigger headline right now than football. So where, where does the divide come from? Where is the, how do you fix this? And in my opinion, you fix this by, first of all, you, you, there needs to be a ridiculous change in the NFL's policies of unwritten rules. Because th- this whole idea of trying to save the league from unsportsmanlike conduct is ridiculous. Trying to save this league from personality is ridiculous. It's not fair to the players that instead of it, t- it taking the uh, taking the Giants two weeks to cut Josh Brown, yet you're going to find Vernon Davis fifteen thousand dollars for celebrating a touchdown by shooting a football like a basketball. Like what? Where? Where are the priorities? Where's the Where's the fun? Where's Where's the the game? You know, it's almost getting to a point where the NFL is taking itself too seriously instead of just sitting back and admitting that at the end of the day, this is a game. This is a sport. This is supposed to be fun. There is no fun in this sport right now. The only fun that I get out of watching the NFL anymore, and I think all the Patriots fans can uh, attest to this, is watching Tom Brady. And they suspended him for four games. He's the best thing this league has to offer right now on a player-to-player standpoint. He's the only person right now that's going to go out there week after week and dominate the uh, the the other team. No other player is going to do that on a week-to-week basis. You think Matt Ryan is the future of the NFL? You think Matt Stafford is the future of the NFL? I, I certainly don't think so. But... It's going to come down. There's going to need to be a big shift in the next couple of years of shifting this back from being a too serious money-making operation back into a game because that's what makes college football so great. It's chaos. It's complete and utter chaos. You never know when number two ranked Ohio State is going to roll into Happy Valley in Penn State in front of 110,000 people and get beat on a on a blocked field goal return for a touchdown with four minutes left in the game. You don't know when that's going to happen in college football, but you can be darn well sure that that's not going to happen in the NFL anymore. And if it does, there's going to be some ridiculous holding penalty that's going to ruin the whole football game anyway. There needs to be a change, and I hope the change comes soon because I, I miss the way the old I, I miss the way football used to be played. I miss the big hits. I miss that I miss not feeling bad whenever I see a guy get clocked. I miss 
watching the ridiculous athletes of the NFL doing ridiculous things by simply taking advantage of the size and speed. If you're bigger than another person in the NFL today, you can't use your size to your advantage because it's a penalty. Rob Gronkowski can't, can barely run down the middle of the field anymore without getting an offensive pass and the fear is called on him. So it's all about changing the priorities and not taking yourself too seriously. And the talent is there, guys. The talent around the NFL is there. You know, look at look at the wide receivers in football right now. Look at the look at the running backs in football right now. There needs to be a change in heart. There needs to be a change in soul for the NFL. And I think I think the it is up to us as fans and reporters and analysts to force the NFL to make to bring the fun back. And I hope and pray that the next commissioner of the NFL will roll in here and be like Look, I know it's wrong to disrespect the guy who had your job before you, but Roger Goodell did a terrible job, and we need to bring this sport back to where it was. I, I can only hope and pray that it happens. But anyway, that, that's enough for me on this NFL ratings crisis. If you, if, by the way, I don't like getting into politics because this is a sports show. But by the way, a new poll just came out that said uh, from ESPN that said, and I quote, Poll shows that NFL ratings are down due to people not watching because of the national anthem protests. If if you're not watching football because you have a problem with someone taking a knee during the anthem, then then we don't want you to watch football. Like, come on. Is that really what's going to keep you from watching a sport is what someone does during the national anthem? Like... That, that, that there should be no reason why you don't entertain yourself through sport because of someone's political background. Whether you agree with it or not, fine. But don't you're, that, that's a little overly dramatic if you're going to be like, I'm not going to watch football anymore because Colin Kaepernick's taking a knee. You know, it's, it's still a sport and it's still a game. The more serious you try to take it, the 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 more you know the worse the sport's going to be. So just try to enjoy the sport from a football level and go watch Tom Brady crush the Bills this weekend. But anyway, enough of that. Let's actually get into the game that's going to be going on from this weekend. Enough from me. So Buffalo Bills come in this weekend. Or excuse me, Page is going into Buffalo this weekend. Rex Ryan's been talking more smack all weekend. No LaShawn McCoy, most likely for the Buffalo Bills. Shaq Lawson has returned to that defensive formation after being out for most of the season with a shoulder injury. So here we go. You know, this is a this is the first time in a couple of years where there's actually been a meaningful divisional game in the middle of the season. This Buffalo Bills team is five and two. They're on a four-game win streak. Excuse me, if you go back and listen to the tape, I told you that the worst part about them losing that game was not that they that they needed the win. The reason that they should have won that game is because if you win, you bury Buffalo. They're one and three, and they don't go on a five game or a four game winning streak to end up five and two when you walk into Buffalo. But now, now they're five and two. Now they're a threat. Now they're a team that you have to watch your back for. They're in the wild card. They're probably gonna get one of those top two spots. The Patriots have, if the Patriots go 2 and 0 against this team, I predict that right now the Buffalo Bills would be 3 and 4 if the Patriots uh beat them in in week uh week 3 or week 4, excuse me. Cuz the Buffalo Bills then go into the next week 1 and 3 against the Arizona Cardinals rather than 2 and 2 at home and they probably lose that game and drop to 1 and 4. So you the Patriots single-handedly save the Bills season in week 4. That's not good. The they need to be 
punished and reminded who the, the heads of this AFC are. They cannot they cannot get wrapped up in this whole, you know, pushing and shoving before the game. Just go out there and body them like they have the past couple of seasons. Rob Gronkowski, as Gary Tangway was says, loves this game. It's the you know this is the Glenn, this is the Glenn Gronkowski revenge game, baby. Let's go. This is the it's time to you know get a little more excited about the Gronkowskis returning to Buffalo. But anyway, let's break this down from a from a more structural standpoint. So the Patriots offensively this year have been on fire. The two tight end sets, the 12 formation that they've been running has been one of the best offensive formations in football. LeGarrette Blunt has been has, has having the season of his career, been one of the best running backs in all of football this season. The blocking the offensive line has been fantastic. Nate Solder, again, having one of the best seasons of, the, of his career. Marcus Cannon, week by week, has been a consistent improvement. Joe Tooney's been the best rookie guard in football. Shaq Mason still can't pass block, but is doing a great job run blocking. And David Andrews is doing as about as well as you would expect David Andrews to be doing. He's a middle of the pack center. You know, he's he's not going to win your football games, but he's not going to lose your football games. So the offensive line is stable. They have good depth. Uh, they they did just trade, however, for Kyle Van Noy and traded away AJ Derby. So. If they're trading away tight ends, I think it means that they have some sort of role set in mind for Glenn Gronkowski down the road. Now, they very well just could cut him from the practice squad, and I could be totally wrong. But as of right now, I do believe the only two tight ends on the roster are Gronk and Bennett. Yeah, I'm right. The only two tight ends on the roster right now are Gronk and Bennett. I don't think that's a very smart idea. Gronk and Bennett are not two guys who have been known for their health. So I think we see the Patriots try to pick up a tight end over the next couple of weeks. Or maybe they're just waiting for this Scruggs guy to get back. But he might be on IR. I'm not 100% sure. I think they put him on IR. But it's, it's a good sign. The Excuse me. Bad sign that the Patriots are trading away tight ends. I, I don't really agree with that move of trading A.J. Derby to the Broncos. But they got a, didn't they get like a fourth-round pick for him? I think they got a fourth round pick for him. I should look that up. But either way, that's a pretty uh, that's a pretty good return for an undrafted free agent if it was a fourth or fifth round pick. But one person I want to talk about that they just picked up because they always seem to pick up somebody uh, this time of the year. And this year they have picked up Kyle Van Noy from the Detroit Lions. I bring this point up to Gary Tangway uh, towards the end of his interview. We're talking about why do the Patriots keep picking up these guys towards the end of the season? And I mentioned, I'll mention this to you guys, the Patriots probably look around the the rest of the NFL and they look for players who they scouted out of college who they think are being used incorrectly, whether it's Jonathan Casillas when he was on the Bucks, whether it's Barkevius Mingo or Jabal Sheard or Deion Lewis from the Cleveland Browns, and now Kyle Van Noy from the Lions. Kyle Van Noy went to Penn State and was supposed to be a pretty decent pass rusher coming out of college and as like an outside linebacker, and it very much seems to be that the, the Lions have been using him as a defensive end, which... He just can't do. He's he's physically not big enough to play defensive end. He's 6'3", 240, but at the same time, if you actually watch him play, he plays a lot. Well, excuse me, he went to BYU, not Penn State. But it, it's interesting to see that they've been trying to use him in a very strange way. But one thing I want to make very clear about this Patriots linebacking core now that 
uh, now that Hightower is fully healthy, Collins is healthy, and really anyone that's uh, everyone besides Landon Roberts, who's kind of interestingly the smallest guy in the linebacking core. This linebacking core is humongous. Holy Jamie Collins, 6'3, 250. Dante Hightower, 6'3, 265. Rob Ninkovich, 6'2, 260. Uh, Barkevius Mingo, 6'4, 240. Shane McClellan, 6'3, 250. Kyle Van Noy, 6'3, 240. And then you have a Landon Roberts, 5'11, 230. So it, this linebacking core is huge. And I think one of the main reasons they do that is because they look at their defensive ends and they see Jabal Sheard and Chris Long. Who Chris Long is 6'3", 270, much more of a prototypical defensive end. But their their ends are not particularly big guys. Jabal Sheard is about the size of their linebackers. Trey Flowers is only 6'2", 260. Geno Grissom is a kind of a weird-looking dude, body-type-wise anyway. So very clear that they brought in Kyle Van Noy because I think they also recognize that their pass rush is a little weak. And if you look at their team... Donta Hightower and Jamie Collins are going to play more of a linebacker position. So you need someone who can come off that edge that's not Rob Ninkovich and can actually act as a pass rusher because Shane McClellan's not getting the job done whenever he does play. So Kyle Van Noy can be that outside linebacker pass rush combo that I think the Patriots have been looking for because I don't think they have that extra spurt of pass rush because, to be honest, I thought this secondary was going to be way better than it has been. Now, I said on the Patriots post-game show that I think that Malcolm Butler has been one of the three best corners in football, and I stand by that. I think Malcolm Butler this year has been one of the three best corners in football. I'm sorry. I j- Just watch him play. Watch him. He's been outstanding this season. He's been covering people. He's been getting back to balls that he hasn't come close to. In uh, last year, he he actually caught a ball against the Pittsburgh Steelers because he. For some, it's ironic that he won a Super Bowl from an interception but can't catch. He's been playing so well this season. Now, has he had a couple of games where he's been a little weaker? Sure. Did he not perform as well against Miami as I think we all would have hoped? Sure, I will admit to that. But at the same time, you know, look what he did against Antonio Brown. Sure, did he shut down Antonio Brown? No, no one's going to shut down Antonio Brown. It's Antonio Brown. He's one of the best wide receivers in football. But one thing that he has done a really good job of doing is limiting the amount of yards after the catch. One of the best corners in football at doing that this year, and I think that's been one of the big reasons that uh, receivers have been so good this year. You don't see receivers catching balls 50 yards down the field in the end zone for a touchdown. No. Usually you're seeing guys catch a ball like 20, 25 yards away and then running for another 40 for a touchdown. At least that's what I've seen. Julio Jones has been doing that. Marvin Jones, Antonio Brown, all these uh, Odell Beckham. Like all these guys are getting all this yak and it's destroying the NFL. Malcolm Butler has been limiting the heck out of everybody's yak. Some of the best tackling that we've seen from a corner this season, some of the best um, catch-up plays that we've seen this season, and I really do think that some of the pass breakups he's made has made a huge impact on some of these games down the stretch. Until he has another bad game, I think it's hard to argue that there have been three other corners in football who have been better than him this season alone. I'm not saying that as an overall career, he's one of the three best corners in football right now. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that based off his performance in the 2016 season, I would rank 
Malcolm Butler as one of my three best corners in football just from watching him game to game, tape to tape. He's looked great in my opinion. And I think um, Mark Daniels of the Providence Journal has been on my team about this as well, just trying to hark on how good Malcolm Butler's been this season. And just remember, just because the 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 secondary has been weak doesn't mean that it's been Malcolm Butler. I really do think a lot of the issue that they've had this season is the fact that the the number two corner position for this team has been an issue. Logan Ryan has not has has not have he has not had as good of a season as he did last year, and I think that's starting to hurt them, their depth in the secondary. I don't know what the heck's going on with my guy Cyrus Jones. He's been a healthy scratch the past two weeks, hasn't played particularly well. Uh, Eric Rowe, they're trying to fit into that cornerback two spot. Again, the jury's still out on him. He had some flashes in the pan of good play last week, but at the same time did give up a pretty weak touchdown to Darius Hayward Bay, who you should not be giving up touchdowns to. Justin Coleman has been okay. Cyrus Jones has been okay. Jonathan Jones has been okay when he's been on the field. This was my worry about not keeping uh, Craven LeBlanc because when they got rid of him, they all of a sudden lost a really good cover corner, and I didn't think that Jonathan Jones was as good of a man-to-man corner as uh, Craven LeBlanc was. So I think that's on the personnel staff of this team. I think they made a big mistake letting him go. He's made some really good plays this season. I believe he's he's either on the Bears or the Eagles, but whatever team he's been on this season, I've seen him made some quality plays for them down the stretch. He no, he's on the Bears because he he broke up that touchdown uh, to Randall Cobb a couple weeks ago. So LeBlanc's been playing really well. I didn't agree with that personnel choice. I think it's actually coming back to hurt them. One thing though I wanted to make very clear, a person's name that we have not talked about this season has been Jerron Harmon. I've barely mentioned him at all this season, but he's been really good this year. One of the 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 caveats of the position that he plays is that it doesn't really matter uh well, excuse me, he's never going to be a guy who you talk a lot about simply because his position doesn't warrant the kind of attention that a, uh, a cornerback or a linebacker would. But him playing that deep safety position with, uh, with Devin McCourty has been incredible. It's allowed... It's allowed Patrick Chung to sit in the box and be very versatile with the people he's allowed to cover. It's allowed Devin McCourty to track the best wide receiver on the field and make sure he doesn't get anything over the top. It's allowed uh, these corners to play a little bit softer uh, on these zones and keep everything in front of them rather than freaking out about who's going to be over the top. I think he's given this defense a lot of confidence in what's going on behind them. So good for Deron Harmon. I hope that he can keep up the play. Definitely deserves a shout out. I definitely think that he's been one of the best players on this defense so far this season. So looking ahead of this week at Buffalo, you just I, I, I predict a pretty easy win for this Patriots team. This Buffalo defense has been good, not great. I don't think it's been as good as we anticipated. I think the safety play of this team and the linebacker play of this team has been pretty weak. I think a lot of that is because Reggie Ragland has been out there, second-round pick out of Alabama, who's a monster. But, hey, what are you going to do when you don't – You know what are you, you going to do? You can't complain about something like that. So the Patriots go into this game fully healthy from most perspectives – defensively, offensively, no major people are injured, knock on wood. So we'll see how this game goes. I personally think that, I think Gary, uh, you'll, you'll hear Gary's prediction when we bring him on next. But I believe the Patriots are going to win this game. 
I'm going to say 38 to 21. I got to start keeping track of these predictions. I nailed it last week. Last week I said 28 17 and we got 27 16. So I'm going to take that one and cash a little cha-ching in the bank for a nice prediction from Harris. But with that being said, I think it's about time that we bring Gary Tangway of CSN New England onto the show. So without further ado, let's take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, Gary Tangway is going to join us for our featured guest segment of the week. What's going on, Pass Nation? This is Marvin Zahn of CLNS Radio, and I'm here to tell you right now to check out the CLNS Radio New England Patriots postgame show, hosted by myself and my co-host, Mr. Mike Nice, and live on CLNSRadio.com immediately after every single Pats game. Call in at 929-477-2386, toll-free, to get your voice heard and contribute to the host breakdown and analysis of the latest Patriots contest we also got the stars and sorries of the day twitter posts with a play of the game and everything else that is going on with the four-time super bowl champions subscribe to the clns radio new england Patriots post game show on itunes and stitcher and the best way download the free clns radio mobile app for on-demand listening anytime any place anywhere Welcome back into Patriots Beat. It's now time for our featured guest segment. This week, we're honored to welcome in Gary Tangway, the host of the Arbella Early Edition on Comcast Sportsnet, coming to you weeknights at 6.30 Eastern Time. Gary, thanks for coming on the show this week. Thanks for having me. We, I, I really appreciate it. So coming into this week uh, against the Buffalo Bills, they currently stand at 6-1. And, one, and I, I'm going to just throw this question at you because you've been pretty critical of the Patriots this season. 6-1, and one, top seed in the AFC do you believe that this is the best team in the NFL, or should we look elsewhere? I think that they could be the best team in the NFL, and I think they, they probably are. I just think it's a down team. I mean, it's a down year, excuse me. You know, when I think of a 6-1 and one team, I usually think, well, they, they're dominant. And I don't think they're a dominant team, but I don't think they have to be a dominant team. They're certainly the best team in the AFC. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Uh, Seattle's defense will be a good test coming up after the bye. Um, yeah, I mean, you could certainly say, I mean, you can make the argument for the best team in the NFL. I think they have the best quarterback. I mean, I, I, I know some people get crazy about Aaron Rodgers, but I've always loved Brady. I mean, I think Brady's the best quarterback. Um, I just wish I felt better about the competition. You know, I, I just long for the days where... Patriots have beat the Ravens when the Ravens are really good, and when Pittsburgh, you know, was, if it had Roethlisberger on a defense, and, uh, I guess I'm just spoiled. I, I just feel these are kind of hollow victories because the Patriots are so much better than their opponents. Like this Sunday, they are going to crush the Bills. I mean, they if they got to destroy them, if they don't, I mean, they have the ability to destroy them. You know, they do. They have the talent to just blow them out. Um, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. So I think that my criticism is uh, is that just I wish the competition was better. I totally agree. It's kind of sad to look around the rest of the AFC and the best team, the best other team is the Raiders led by Derek Carr. He was a good quarterback, but you know, he's, he's no special hall of fame level quarterback that they used to have around the AFC and NFC. No, no. I mean, there's, you know, I just, but during the Steelers game, and I know that I sound like people at Jacksonville, if they ever heard this, would say, boy, I wish I had your problems. But you know, during the, the Steelers game, I was 
actually into the game, like in the second, you know, the beginning of the third quarter, because it was something, you know, they were getting to Brady. It was a little bit of a challenge. Uh, you know, they were, they were, uh, they were, they, you know, Landry Jones had a couple of big passes. And I was like, oh, wow, you know, we get a game here. Uh, and, you know, in the second series of the third quarter, Ladarren Blunt just ran all over him and they threw a touchdown to Gronk and it was never in doubt. Um, you know, that's what I kind of, I, I, I just, I would love to see Peyton Manning back. <laughs> you know, I just, was, just like, like, even this weekend, it's like Rex Ryan's a beaten man. You look at him and he's just like, oh, if we don't win this weekend, we'll never catch the Patriots and, you know, Tyrod Taylor and, you know, Shane McCoy's hurt. Oh, it's just, uh, it, it's up for any of this stuff. It's very much the same old, same old when it comes to these bad teams. In the NFL, like it's ever since Brady's come back, they, it hasn't. A lot of these games just they haven't been close. Like you said, the Steelers game. Once they threw that touchdown to Gronk, it was over. Against the Bills this weekend, if they go up two scores, this game is over in the first quarter. You know, I was praying that like the Texans, like when the Texans came in, you know, Billy O'Brien. You know, they, they, they were going to step up. You know, we were going to see something that night that we had a new sheriff in town. You know, we got Oswald from Denver who beat the Patriots. And, you know, the, the Texans had a better defense. And then, wow, you know, nothing. And then you look at the schedule down the road. Um, like I said, I'm going by memory here, but then they have the bye, then they have Seattle. And we did a, a piece on this the other night on the show. They're not going to face a, a dangerous quarterback until the Super Bowl. If they face one at all, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, they're just not. Um, the, the, so they have no excuse. But like, they should go. They should go fifteen and one. They really should. Yeah, they really and should. There's always that one game you think that they're not supposed to win, that they that they're not supposed to lose, that they'll lose. But they shouldn't. I mean, they should. They should go fifteen and one. I mean, they, there's no question. Because their schedule after that Seahawks game you mentioned, they're at the 49ers, at the New York Jets, and then home versus the Rams. And three just, you know, I don't even know if it's worth watching those games with how we've seen the difference of talent level with, like, bad teams versus good teams this year. It's been ugly. These underdogs just have no shot. Well, maybe you think the travel, you know, may be a problem or it cause a little bit of an issue, but... Because the discrepancy in the talent, as you just mentioned, is so great. Mm-hmm. You just go, no, 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 not enough. You know, what, not enough. One of the interesting things around the NFL that we've seen this year is, you know, I guess the Patriots have been doing this for a couple of years now, that they've just been poaching random players off of random teams. They did it last year. Uh, or they've been doing the past three years with the Browns. They did it with Jonathan Casillas from the Bucks this year. Right. Their their new target was Barkevius Mingo, and then they just picked up Kyle Van Noy. Do you, are are these right. moves just because the Patriots think that they're better coaches than the rest of the league and can get more out of these players? Well, I think that the key to the Patriots' success overall, first of all, Belichick's greatest coach ever, and he's got the greatest quarterback ever. It's longevity. I have a hard time keeping up with all of the new coaches in the league. If I was an owner, and I had this discussion with Jonathan Pratt, you have to give a coach at least three years. You know, you're in the NFL. I own a team. I'm making a ton of money. Even if my team stinks, we're getting a ton of money from TV, right? It's not that I'm a – there's no such thing as a small market team. So I have to put a coach in a front office together – and I have to stick with them for a minimum of three years. And I have to see um, progress. 
know, because every time you turn around, like, how long is this guy mad that you're going to last in New York? You know, I mean, you can tell. They're not going to stick. I mean, he's going to have to really do something. They probably won't stick with him, and it might not be his fault. It's just, you know, Miami, every time you turn around. So there's no system. They don't have a chance to develop any consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, so when Belichick takes a guy <clears throat> like a Bingo or a Casillas, which is a great point by you, which is one of those underrated, awesome Bill Belichick snags, because mm-hmm. he sees the guy and he knows him and he goes, my system has been in place for like 19 years. And I know I can take that guy that is a below average player on any other team and put him in my system and have him do what he does best and make him an above-average player. Because the system has been around for so long. You know, so you can take these guys and just take their particular skill and plug them in. Mm-hmm. Well, all these other organizations, you know, they need better all-around players. They don't need just one guy that can fill in a, fill in a gap. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think the difference is. It's interesting because if you look around the NFL, the only other team that tried something similar to this, I think at least, was what Trent Baalke was trying to do with the 49ers. Because every single year he would draft like two or three guys who in college were talented, but they had like blown out a knee or they had blown out an ankle. And he tried to repair these guys. And all of a sudden you look at the 49ers roster now. And three years ago, that was one of the best teams in football. Now it's a laughing stock. I think they still screwed up with the coach. You know, yeah. to me, I don't know what the issue was. You know, I mean, all I know is that that coach, he had Kaepernick and they were in the NFC title game, and now it's a mess. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that they, the ownership, for whatever reason, or the front office, for whatever reason, they got rid of the wrong guy. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know I, I have no idea what's going to go, you know, what he's going to do at Michigan, but. You know, I thought that that coach brought an element of stability and just they had the guy and they let him go. And I think, you know, they blew it. But you want to talk about, like, front offices. The one I, I found very frustrating is the, the Colts. Now, oh my God. there's a team with Andrews Locke, who I don't care what anybody says, is a really good quarterback. I don't know if he's going to be a great quarterback because he's going to get that on his picks. But, I mean, this guy, the talent's come on, there. He's, the, he's a really good player. They have no offensive line. Gregson keeps drafting skill position guys. They, I mean, he his quarterback is getting killed. You know, I mean, they should have the Colts should have a better team by now. And Ursay, I don't know what the hell he's thinking. You know, but that's the team I look at. You know, the Colts should be better. The Colts should be a rival of the Patriots. They're like nipping at their heels. You know what I mean? Yeah. But because their GM is an idiot, the guy that started the flight gate, they're terrible. It's interesting because if you look at Baltimore, it's the same concept where they had that stacked roster and they did nothing to repair it besides literally bringing in more old people. They brought in Doomerville, who's old. They brought in Steve Smith at 37 years old and brought him back as a 39-year-old with no Achilles tendon. It just... How how has the NFL gone to this point where it literally seems like every wrong decision a franchise could have made that's not the Patriots has made that wrong decision? Well, you're right. I mean, you know, and let's face it. I mean, look, Brady's 19 years or 17 years or whatever the hell it is. I lose track. He's 39, so it's, what, 17 years? Yep. You know, that's just so rare. It's just so rare. And, you know, if Garoppolo was quarterback, it'd still be good, but they wouldn't go 15-1. to one. You know, they, they just – he. 
it's it's because I think you know another problem is it's become such a quarterback league that you can't hide an average quarterback. I mean, you have to be able to throw the football and you have to be able to read and react with your offense. And in the past, you would have teams that had a running game. So you could have a Trent Dilfer or you could have a good quarterback um, who didn't have to chuck the ball 50 times to win because you had a running game. Well, no one wants a running game anymore, which I, I think is boring. I still love it. I love look at Blunt. So, you know, we offenses offenses have become so one dimensional because that's what the league wants. You're going to get exposed mm-hmm. because you're not going to have as many guys that are smart enough and have the ability to throw the ball enough to make it work. And it's interesting because one of my uh, one of the points I always talk about is how if you look around the NFL, the development of young quarterbacks has been abysmal the past five years. Like the prospects sure. that are coming out out of college now are no worse than the old guys, like Andrew Luck, Bortles. Like These guys have a lot of potential, but whatever got into these head coaches, people just forgot how to develop quarterbacks. They can't do it anymore. There's been like four good ones since 2011. Yeah. Well, yes. I also think that I think there has to be a patience. It goes back to what we were talking about having to win now. You know, Rodgers sat behind Favre. Favre even sat on the bench with Atlanta, right, before he was traded to Green Bay. Yeah, for Hasselbeck games. sat behind Favre. You know, Brady, everybody, a lot of people will say, well, Brady, his rookie season, let him in the Super Bowl. Like, um, no, it wasn't. He was a four-string quarterback for a year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, guys like in Philadelphia and Denver, they come out and they're thrown right into the fire. You know, you got to stick with them. You got to you got to stick with them. That's why I, I I am not jumping up. I would never jump off the Andrew Luck bandwagon. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and look, some of these guys suck. I mean, some guys come out, they get the job, and you're like, just forget about it. It's not going to work, you know. But you got to be patient. You know, I think I think there's no patience with owners in mm-hmm. sports in general. You know, there's just no patience, and I think that goes it goes to the coach and it goes to the quarterback as well. Mm-hmm. And to bring that kind of back towards this weekend's game, that was one of the reasons I was I was one of the few people who thought the Bills bringing back Tyrod Taylor was actually a good move because this is an offense or this is a team. It's not necessarily win now, but it's a team that very much has had so much instability at the QB position that as soon as they found anything close to competent, I think it was a good move to keep him. And Taylor's been playing okay this year. He's one of the main reasons they're five and two. Yeah, and I think that. The problem, I think, with the Bills, and I've always thought this is the problem with the head coach with practices. I think a coach reflect a team reflects your coach's personality, and I just think that Rex is up and down. And I think you need to be consistent as a head coach. You know, you can't be too fired up, you can't get too depressed, and I think that you need to be even keel as a leader. I just think he's all over the road sometimes, and uh, I think you're right. Uh, I just think as a head coach, you know, Tom Landry was an even-killed guy. Chuck Noll was an even-killed guy. Jimmy Johnson, he was kind of fired up, but, you know, he never lost confidence. Belichick, always the same way. Uh, you know, Pete Carroll was always positive. I mean, Pete never got down. He you know, tries. <laughs> like, he, he's like up and down. I mean, one week he's like, yeah. And then the next week he's like, well, if we don't win, we won't catch the Patriots. It's like, you know, he said that this week. I'm like, Christ, dude. You know, like you just said, they're five and two. You're five and two. You, you know, I mean, it's week eight. It's, <laughs> Relax. A really good, it's a really good record. 
you know, a lot can happen. <laughs> so that's what I think Buffalo's problem is. Mm-hmm. So with, with this weekend's game coming up, Patriots roll into this game just with, without really coming close to losing a game with Tom Brady QB this year. The Bills are a little bit stronger on defense with uh, Shaq Lawson healthy. So give me your final prediction on this game. What do you what What's the uh, score that you think we'll see? Forty-two seventeen New England. Whoa, blow a real blowout, huh? I think so because I think that bullcrap they pulled with Jacoby Brissett at the beginning of the game, you know, and with uh, with what I forgot the guy's name, Blanton, Blanton in the last contest. Uh, even though I guess Jacoby was running through their warmer barrier, uh, I, I don't think this team's going to forget that. I don't care what Belichick says, but you know, we don't we don't look in the past. He'll use that as motivation. Gronk always likes to play well in Buffalo. You know, that's part of his childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I think they're going to smoke him. It's, uh, it'll be the, the Glenn Gronkowski revenge game for sure. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, sure. There you go. Awesome. Well, Gary, thank you so much. The host of the Arbella Early Edition on Comcast Sportsnet coming to you weeknights at 630. Go follow him on Twitter at Gary underscore Tangway. Gary, thank you so much for joining us this week. Anytime, thanks for having me. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. Bye. Are you sick of buying off-the-rack suits but are worried about spending too much on a fitted one? It's a shame because every man looks better in a suit. Indochino is the place for you. They make made-to-measure suits and shirts that fit you perfectly at an incredible price. They only use the finest fabrics, and you get to customize the details you want, including your lining, lapels, personal monogram, and more. So how does it work? Go and visit their Boston showroom at 85 Newberry Street. Pick from dozens of fabrics, colors, and patterns. Choose all of your custom whether it's your lining, your lapel, and more. Get measured by a style guide, kick back, relax, and get ready to step into a perfectly fitting suit in just four weeks. This week, my listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $389 when you mention code PATRIOTS at the Boston Indochino showroom. $800 made-to-measure suit for only $389. That's over 50% off. So go book your Boston showroom appointment at Indochino.com. Go to Indochino.com to book your appointment at their Boston showroom. And again, get any premium suit for just $389. When you mention code PATRIOTS, you won't beat this deal anywhere. So go out and get your suit today. Welcome back into Patriots Beat, guys. It is now time for the Patriots Beat Pick of the Week. And it's really weird. We have a lot of lines this week that are very close to around three. So I'm actually going to go with one of those lines. There's a line right now that says that Houston is favored at home against Detroit by two and a half points. I hate that a lot. I think that Detroit has been a very good offensive football team this year. And Houston looks like it has no idea what it's doing on the offensive side of the football. Brock Osweiler is a total mess. And Lamar Miller can get no room behind that offensive line. So choose the uh, Detroit Lions at two and a half points over Houston. I think that is a very good pick. I think I was right last week telling you guys to take the Raiders. So I think I'm right again this week with the Detroit Lions. But that's going to be it for me. Please make sure to check out the Patriots postgame show. You can hear me about 15 minutes into the show. Call in at 929-477-2386. Listen live on clnsradio.com. But that's going to do it for today's Patriots Beat Podcast. If you want to help support the show, please give us a subscription rating or review on iTunes and Stitcher. Today's show was presented to you by Indochino.com. Use the promo code PATRIOTS for more than 50% off custom-made suits. Music was provided by Hyde209 and Joshua Morse. 
want to thank our guest Gary Tangway from CSN New England for Patriots contact manager Mike Alonji, CNS radio executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of the network Nick Delso. Thank you to everyone who turned in this week. This is Harris Rubenstein and this is the Patriots podcast powered by CLNS radio. Go follow me at sports team on Twitter and I hope the Patriots can have a good game this weekend. Have a great weekend.